how thankful we are that we can stand here today and say truly that it is well with our soul. And we can say that because of Jesus and because of what he's done for us. And, and we're thankful today for all that he's done for us. And our prayer now as we open up your word is to help us to understand and to see with fresh eyes what it means for it to be well with our soul and how we will live in response to that. So we invite you this morning to teach us now through your written word and cause us to be more like Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen and amen. I want you to take your Bibles and invite you to open with me to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Matthew chapter 5, we'll be looking at one verse of Scripture, verse 6, as we continue to work through our series on the Beatitudes, a series that I've titled, Hashtag Blessed. Now, there's a reason I gave this series that particular title. We live in a world of social media. Uh, we live in that world of social media of hashtags, and, and people will put a hashtag to highlight or to stress something that we want the world to know or that they think the world wants to know. A popular hashtag is hashtag blessed, and, and sometimes that's used correctly and, and rightly, and, and it helps us to understand, yeah, this is a blessing. More often than not, however, people use hashtag blessed as a, as a humble brag. You know, I got offered this scholarship by 14,000 schools, hashtag blessed, or I was able to get a new bike today, and I didn't wreck it, hashtag blessed. I'm just kind of through my mental mind, you know. I was able to do this and that, hashtag blessed. And what that really, the, 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 the plethora of hashtag blessed post reveals to us several things. Chief among them, it reveals that in our culture, blessings are viewed primarily as being external. Now, there's nothing wrong with that per se. Many of our blessings are indeed external. If you have a job that pays you enough to purchase a needed car, that is certainly a blessing. If someone is added to your family through marriage or through birth, that's certainly a blessing. When a kid gets accepted to college and you've got an empty nest, that is certainly a blessing. Those are things that are blessed in your life. The danger comes when we limit our perspective of blessings to just those things that we achieve or that we receive materially or physically on this earth. Show me a person who doesn't have a penny to their name, but has the riches of a relationship with Jesus, and I will show you a blessed person. Show me a person who doesn't own land or a home or a car, but possesses the Holy Spirit of God, and I will show you a blessed person. Show me a person who doesn't have a spouse or a kid or any family on this earth, but they are members of God's family, and God is their father, and I'll show you a blessed person. The truly blessed life, 
The biblically blessed life isn't contingent upon what we have or don't have. It's contingent upon our relationship with Jesus. And Jesus shows us just how differently he defines the blessed life from the first few verses of the most famous sermon he ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. Just, it's been a couple of weeks since we've just read all of these Beatitudes. Just, just look at all of them and see how differently he defines it. Matthew chapter 5 begins by saying, Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up to the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And Jesus opened his mouth and taught them. And here's what Jesus says about the blessed life. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those, this will be our focus today, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Hashtag blessed, Jesus said are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad. Rejoice in that, he said. For your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. How countercultural do those hashtag blessed statements sound? I mean, nothing in our culture would tell us that those things are how we live a blessed life, but that's exactly how Jesus defined a blessed life. Today we look specifically at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, where Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I want to share with you a sermon, a message this morning that I have entitled, A Holy Hunger. Now, <clears throat> let's be honest, this is a metaphor that Jesus used that we probably identify with more than any other. Did you know that Baptist and Buffet start with the same letter? Not only that, Baptist and starts with the same letter as, as biscuits and briskets and bread and, and banana pudding and brownies and butter and bacon. Amen. Amen. We see that. I told you, I knew I'd be at home this, this Sunday on this verse. We can identify with hunger and thirst. We can identify with this metaphor that Jesus uses. But even though we can identify with the metaphor... I have found that applying the spiritual truth of this verse in my life has been a very difficult thing to do. You see, Jesus is telling us, if you want to live the blessed life, you must have a hunger 
and a thirst for righteousness. Because if you do, I will make sure that your appetite is satisfied. I want us to try to understand this beatitude by breaking it down and looking at it in three parts, okay? The first part is this, the requirements of a holy hunger. If we're going to talk about having this holy hunger, we need to understand the requirements of this holy hunger. The words that Jesus uses in this verse are important words. He uses the word hunger and the word thirst. That word hunger refers to a desperate craving that a starving person has for food. It's not that hunger we have at midnight when we want to go into the pantry for the 14th time in 10 minutes. Y'all ever notice that, how stupid we are when we do that? When you open the fridge and there's nothing in it, and then five minutes you go back and no one's been to the grocery store, and somehow you think when you open it, something new's going to be there. Anybody, am I the only dummy? I don't think I am. It's not referring to that, that midnight snack hunger. <clears throat> this is a hunger that, is, that we, are, we are so famished that we become desperate for a dinner, even if that food has to come from a, from a trash bin. Truth be told, most of us do not understand that level of hunger, but that's the level Jesus is talking about. The, the word he uses for thirst means to, to painfully feel the need for water. It's more than us just needing a, a sip of water. It means to be parched or dehydrated to the point of physical pain. To, to be hungry and to be thirsty in this context means that you are dissatisfied with your present condition before God. You see, if you want to experience the hashtag blessed life that Jesus offers, you must have an appetite for the Almighty God. Now, when it comes to having this holy hunger, it's one thing for, for me to say that we need to have it, that the requirement is to have hunger and thirst, but then we might ask ourselves, well, Pastor, if we, if we need to have this hunger, then how can I have this hunger? Now, I know you look at me and you think there's an expert in nutrition, so, but you understand that I'm not talking about in, this next, in these next few minutes, we're not talking about a physical hunger and a physical thirst, but more of a, a spiritual. So let me, since you ask how we can do that, let me offer you a few suggestions or some guidelines that will help you hunger and thirst for the right things. After all, what they say is that we are what we eat. That may be true physically. It's also true spiritually. Let me just give you a couple of things that you can do this week. Number one, you need to watch the quality of your spiritual diet. You need to watch the quality of your spiritual diet. Listen, some of you have been consuming things that are not satisfying your soul because they were never designed by our Creator to bring us fulfillment and satisfaction. Do you know that you can get full on junk food, right? I know that from experience. 
<clears throat> back when Hurricane Katrina came, uh, we were living in Mississippi at the time, and it came through and it knocked power out from where we were for about 10 days or so. And, and I went back to Arkansas where my mom and dad lived where I grew up. And I got some supplies to bring back. And one of the supplies to bring back, because I am who I am, was brownies and Twinkies. <laughs> and, and I brought those, those ding-dongs, you know, the chocolate cake with a little uh, white marshmallow, marshmallow cream that they put inside it. And, and when I got back home, I failed to realize that I still wouldn't have any power or whatever. And I, I'm just going to be, I'm just transparent with you. Uh, this is going to explain a lot about what you see today, is that uh, for about three days, all I lived on was ding-dongs and Twinkies. <laughs> I also for, failed to realize that water in the toilet wasn't running that well during hurricane season. <laughs> you, can you can fill your life with junk food, but it's not going to satisfy. It's not going to bring that for which you long spiritually you may be hungering for holiness because you feel full, but you feel full because you filled your life with spiritual junk food instead of righteousness. We have to come to the realization that the only one who can satisfy the longings of our soul is Jesus, nothing else. I don't care what else you put in your life spiritually. You can fill your diet with Jonathan Russell. You can fill it with Joel Osteen. You can fill it with who Whoever your favorite preacher is or your favorite TV preacher is, but if your soul is not full of Jesus, you'll never be satisfied. If you're not pursuing righteousness, you will not be satisfied. And God does not want us to fill our lives with things that were never designed to satisfy us. He asked his people <clears throat> Through the prophet Isaiah, he said in Isaiah 55, 2 and 3, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear, come to me, that your soul may live. Let me ask you, are you munching on material things? in the hopes that they will satisfy you? Are you snacking on a sexual sin, thinking that it will satisfy your soul? Are you consuming your career as if it's going to meet your needs? If so, it's time to take in what is good, righteousness, that your soul may live. If you want to have a holy hunger, then you need to watch the quality of your spiritual diet. But you also need to watch the quantity of your spiritual diet. Now, supposedly, and again, I have no way to verify this as being true from the physical experience of my own life, but supposedly, one of the best ways to improve your diet is through a thing called portion control. Now, my idea of portion control is if it's not overflowing on the plate, I ain't controlling it. But that's not the right idea of portion control. Weigh your portions before eating. In, sp in the spiritual life, not only must we watch what we eat, but we must make sure spiritually that we're eating the right amount, that we're taking in the right amount of what is best for us. Now, here's the tragic thing. A lot of us never choose the option 
to supersize our spiritual meals. We just take the Happy Meal version of our spiritual life. Our problem may be that we don't take in enough righteousness and instead we are content with nibbling on spiritual appetizers. See, far too often in our relationship with God, we are willing to settle for less. And maybe if you're here today and you're apathetic toward God, maybe you're apathetic toward God because you're spiritually anemic. You're not taking in the righteousness that God wants you to hunger and to thirst for. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty for righteousness? Allow that desire to drive you to God who will make sure that the quality is good and he'll make sure that you have the right quantity, the full portion, not just a partial portion. So if you want to hunger and thirst for righteousness, this is the requirements. You need to watch the quality of what you eat in your spiritual diet and the quantity, but also you need to watch the frequency of your spiritual diet. When you are spiritually hungry and thirsty, you need to eat and drink righteousness and enjoy it. The Greek grammar in that verse, verse 6, where Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Those words, hunger and thirst, those are in the, the present tense. And when something's in the present tense in the Greek vernacular, it means that we should continually hunger for righteousness. We should continually thirst for righteousness. Righteousness is not something that we experience today and we find that we never have to experience it again in order to be satisfied. None of us here, if we want to have the right diet, eat one once a day. They, they tell us, and again, the experts tell us, and I am not one, but they tell us that we need to eat several times a day in order to stay physically healthy. So too, we need to consume righteousness on a regular basis. Listen, hear me this morning. God never promises to give us all the righteousness, all the spiritual food that we need for an entire week or a month or a year so we can stock up our fridges and then forget about him. We need daily bread from God in our spiritual lives so that we can learn that God and God alone will meet our needs. No matter how much you feed on God today, you will need him tomorrow. No matter how much, no, and I know I, you were here on Labor Day weekend. I got it. But no matter how much you fill your life with righteousness today, you will need to rest in the righteousness of God tomorrow. Living a truly hashtag blessed life, it demands that we hunger for righteousness, that we thirst for righteousness. That's the requirements. Second, why do we need to have a holy hunger? What is the reason that we need a holy hunger? The requirements very simple, hunger and thirst. Why? The reason <coughs> that we are to hunger and thirst 
is for the sake of righteousness. Very simply stated, righteousness means to be right with God. The only way that you will have a biblically blessed life is to be in a right relationship with God. Now, that points primarily to two big areas as far as the righteousness of God is concerned in our life. We need righteousness in our salvation, and we need righteousness in our sanctification. Okay? We need righteousness in our salvation. When you place faith in what Christ did for you on the cross... His righteousness is credited to your account. His righteousness is transferred to you. You need his righteousness because you cannot manufacture a righteousness that is good enough or righteous enough to cancel the debt of sin that you owe. Some of you may be thinking that you're doing pretty good. That you're, I mean, after all, you're at church on Labor Day weekend when you could be at the beach or you could be at home or whatever else. But let let me just think about this. Isaiah tells us, and the exact chapter and verse escapes me, but it's somewhere in those dozens of chapters that he writes. Isaiah tells us that our righteousness in the sight of God is like a filthy rag. That means that on the very best day of your own righteousness, it is nothing compared to the righteousness of God. That's why we can't depend upon our righteousness. That's why we have to rely and depend and throw ourselves upon the righteousness of God. The Apostle Paul said, for he, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. One of the most favorite things, any of those old church fathers way back in the day who are dead now, Martin Luther, one of the most favorite things he ever said to me, he, he called this the great exchange to where we give God our sin and he gives us our righteous, his righteousness. We give God what is wrong with us, and he gives us what is right with him. And we have righteousness in our salvation. Has your hunger for righteousness led you beyond yourself to the only one who can satisfy your hunger? But it's not just salvation in which we need righteousness. We need righteousness in our sanctification. You see, because we are in a righteous position, that is our salvation, we have an obligation to live righteously in practice. We call that sanctification. No matter how much you love, there's always room for you to love more. No matter how much you pray, there's always the need to pray more. No matter how much you think like Jesus, there's always the need to think more like like Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, do you have a hunger and a thirst to do what is right? Do you have a craving in your soul for that which honors holiness? This is the reason we need a holy hunger. For we need God's righteousness in our salvation and in our sanctification. So we, we, we've got the requirement. That's to hunger and to thirst. 
And we've got the reason that we hunger and thirst for the sake of righteousness. But let me share with you as you have that hunger and thirst, thirdly, finally, the result of having a holy hunger. Very simply, what Jesus said is those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they're blessed because they shall be satisfied. They shall be satisfied. That word satisfied, it means to be filled. It was used in their culture to describe the feeding of animals until they were so full they could eat no more. What a paradox. Think about this. This is what Jesus is saying. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you are satisfied to the point that you find joy in your relationship with Jesus, but you're not so satisfied that you stop hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Let me explain it to you in a way that I think you understand from my own life, okay? I'm satisfied when I eat some chocolate sheet cake with thick icing and a glass of milk. That's a hint. <laughs> but even though I'm satisfied when I eat that chocolate sheet cake with thick icing and a glass of milk, I always want more. Stop looking at me like that. You do too. I mean, I'm full, but I want more because what I've already eaten may desire it. You, just that you follow, you pick your favorite, but you know what I'm talking about. That's the way righteousness works. Only it works in a very healthy way. Chocolate sheet cake, not so much. We are filled with righteousness, we're filled with Jesus, and that filling is so sweet and so rich, and we are so full that we want more of his righteousness in our lives. Simply stated, when we seek the righteousness of God, he grants it every single time. If you leave here today spiritually hungry, that's not my fault. I'm not the best preacher. But Billy Graham could be behind this pulpit. And if you leave out of here spiritually hungry, that's nobody's fault but yours. If I leave my, if I end my day in my relationship with God and I'm not spiritually, I don't have this holy hunger, that's not God's fault. That's not my day's fault. That's my fault. Because every time I seek the righteousness from God and the satisfaction it brings in my life, God grants it. Psalm 107 verse 9 says, For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. But what about that wonderful verse we all love in Psalm 23, how that psalm opens up. Psalm 23 verse 1 says, The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd, and when the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It means I shall lack for nothing because Jesus will supply 
everything that I need. If you have a holy hunger, you come to a holy God and he will fill your hunger for righteousness. He will quench your thirst for righteousness. For you see, our souls will never be satisfied until we come to the end of ourselves and we realize that the hashtag blessed life is a life that hungers and thirsts for righteousness. Think about the prodigal son. Remember him, that, that, that story Jesus told us in the New Testament. That prodigal son, when he left home, he left his father. When he was hungry, what did he do? When he was hungry, he just went and ate whatever the pigs were eating. It was only when he was starving that he decided to go home to daddy. And when he got to the point that he, could, he realized he could find no satisfaction anywhere else but his father, he went home. Remember what his daddy did for him? His daddy killed the fattened calf and put on a feast that would satisfy the hunger of his boy. Jesus is able to meet your need for righteousness today. To a woman at the well, he said, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And to a gathered crowd, Jesus said these words, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. <laughs> Snickers does not satisfy, my friend. Only Jesus does. Jesus satisfies and you can find satisfaction for your soul in his righteousness today so i just want to ask you this morning as we wrap things up you know your spiritual hunger you know if you have been hungering and thirsting for righteousness and there may be some of you here in this room today that you've been filling your life with stuff and it may even be good stuff. You may even be coming to church. and Man, I want you to come to church. But you still don't feel full. You still feel like there's something missing. Or you may be trying to do all these good things. You may have a checklist of things that you think you ought to do. And your hunger, your thirst is to mark stuff off that checklist. But all you're doing is marking things off a grocery list. That's not going to bring you satisfaction because you're doing them in your own righteousness. You know, you know your spirit, you know your soul, you know if something's not right. And I don't know what it is exactly that you're doing that's not making it feel right. I don't know all the ins and outs of that. I can barely keep up with my train wreck of a sin-filled life, much less yours. 
But I do know this, that whatever hunger I have can only be found in Jesus. And I know this as well, that he's got all the righteousness that I need to fill my hunger and to quench my thirst. Jesus invites you today simply to come to him and to find in a relationship with him in salvation and in your sanctification, to find in him that which will satisfy your soul. Would you bow with me this morning? As we bow and as we pray in just a second, after I pray, we're going to have a time of commitment, a time of invitation, a time in which we give you the opportunity to respond to anything that maybe God has placed upon your heart today. And maybe for some of you, that means that you need to spend some time with God in prayer. Maybe you've been, you've been snacking on spiritual junk foods. You've been, you've been filling your life with a bunch of stuff, but not a Savior. Jesus would invite you today to simply confess your sin, to repent of it, and to ask him to be your Lord and Savior. To find that in him you will have a satisfaction for your soul. Maybe you made that decision a week ago, a year ago, ten years ago, a hundred years ago. Maybe you have since that time started to fill your life with other things other than his righteousness. And you find that you don't feel that full in your relationship with God, with all the love that I can muster. If that's your feeling, that's your fault. It's not his. The good news is that he has all that you need to be satisfied today. Fill your life with Jesus, and you'll find satisfaction for your soul. Father God, I am thankful that we find in Jesus the bread of life, the living water, that we find in Jesus the one who will satisfy our soul. I don't know what you're calling any of us to do in this room today, but whatever it is you're placing upon our lives to do, I know that our response simply needs to be to put our yes on the table. You determine the table, what it is. Our job is to say yes. However you spoke into our hearts this morning, whatever you're leading us to do, may we be submissive to your will. In Jesus' name.